0: Hey, it's Latif from Radiolab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. I want to introduce you now to two caregivers who are both full-time moms in the Boston area, responsible for two adult special needs children, but they could be anywhere in the U.S., part of the 65.7 million-strong workforce of caregivers. Susan Senator takes care of her adult autistic son, Nat, and Linda Carney-Goodrich takes care of her adult autistic son, Philip. And as Linda tells us, it takes a lot of tenderness and sheer hard work to be a caregiver.
1: My son is at home because he got sick in the group home and they weren't able to care for him there. And I have two other children, a 9-year-old and a 4-year-old. And then I feel constantly torn because my other children need me too. And, um, yeah, it's a real dilemma because his caregiving is really a full-time job. You know, and he's 20, almost 24 years old, and I don't see an end in sight to that. So I feel, you know, exhausted and uh, powerless sometimes. You know, I still do it, but it feels like I've been waging a war for 20 years.
0: What times yeah. your alarm turn on, Linda?
1: Well, I get up to run in the morning at 4.30 so Mm -hmm. I can get some exercise for myself. Then I get back about an hour later, and the first thing is trying to get my son out of bed because he does have a job in the community, but it takes him a long – it could sometimes take him two hours to get out the door. (laughs) So I have to get on him early.
0: And on your way to the car, do you have your special lunch?
1: Oh, yes, I have to make this, but he can't eat anything out. He has to measure everything and bring all the food he needs for the day. That's one of the reasons why I get up so early is to manage the food for the day. And then he has to log everything. And he, you know, he doesn't understand the, we have a computer program for that, but he doesn't understand it. So he often records things wrong and then I have to fix it. So it's a lot, it's a lot just taking care of his dietary needs, not even the autism piece, you know.
0: Susan, give me your, uh, your sort of clock of the day, uh, morning to evening. It's, it's obviously different, but uh, I'm sure you heard some of the same things there.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the um, emotional and psychological toll is the same, but the actual day-to-day is different because Nat during um, the week is in his group home and in his program, so even though I have a great service provider and he's got good staff, I still worry a lot about, is he safe? I never know if he's sick because he can't talk. I mean, he, his talking is just incredibly basic. You know, if you ask him, are you sick, he'll say yes. And then if you say, are you feeling well, he'll say yes. So it's you just have to kind of guess. And then on the weekends, it's different. It's It's a bit more like Linda's in that, you know, I get up early, I try to keep him quiet so my husband at least can sleep, um, keep him from flushing the toilet over and over again, have him stop walking around so much because he walks constantly. We clocked him once, and it was four miles in the house <laughs> before we even got outside. And I'm laughing, but it's it's really hard. You know, it's not funny. It's It's hard.
0: Is the responsibility that you have for these two individuals... Yours and yours alone in our society? And is that isolating?
1: Well, I, it feels that way to me because um, the services that are offered aren't, aren't good enough. They're just not. Um, when Philip qualified for the group home, he was in a group home until his needs became too great, Right. But when he qualified for the group home, they didn't let us know until a week before his 22nd birthday. And they didn't give him any choice about where he would live. And they put him in a group home with nonverbal guys in their 50s, and this was a 22-year-old kid. He didn't have any choice about what his roommates would be, what his life would be like. And as a parent, you're so relieved, right? You hit the lottery if you get a placement, but the placement is so bad that you feel guilty. So he came home from the group home with bruises from another Um, Client in the group home and no one could really explain why that happened. So now he's home and really sick. He he He's developed seizures and he developed um, an illness, an enzyme deficiency problem where he has diarrhea every day and he's lost 30 pounds and he is exhausted. He is frail right now. He is vulnerable. So I feel tormented. I feel like there's no good option. And, you know, I feel tired. You know, it's been many years I had to fight for an education for him. And what a parent really wants, I think, when your kid grows up is to feel that um, – They're in a place where they belong. Maybe they're not, you know, a lawyer. Maybe they're not even cured from a disability, right? But at least that they're happy and they're in a place where people love them and that they belong. And right now it's not that, you know.
0: And in America, it's all on you guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because as a mother, you're really expected to sacrifice and somehow find a way to do it all. You really are expected. And if you're not doing paid work, times when I haven't been able to work because Philip's needs are so great, it's devalued. The care work is so devalued. Caring for elderly, caring for disabled people, caring for children. It's it's so important. Do you ever
0: get the message in America on any level in the media – from me speaking, from from anyone, anywhere. Hey, how you doing, Linda? How you doing, Susan? How's it going?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, the fact that you're doing this show feels like, you know, wow. This yeah. must mean this is becoming a really big
1: deal in the country. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many kids coming of age now with... These disabilities, we're going to really have to figure out a solution.
0: So, in both of your cases, your children will survive you, right? That's your expectation.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: For a while. Yeah. Our plan, my plan was we, well, we won't die. (laughs) And then we realized that's not an option. So, We really had to try to figure this out and sit down with lawyers and sit down with other parents and people who've been there and people who know. And, you know, you have to think, who could be taking care of my guy when I'm gone? And, oh, my God, it has to be his siblings. And what a thing to put on them.
0: Well, let me just say, um, since I brought it up, how are you guys doing?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm, you know, the same level of stress. As always, what are we going to do with Natty? Is he going to be okay or is he going to have a meltdown at work? You know.
0: All the questions. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Linda, how are you doing?
1: Um, today I'm good because this, this interview is making me feel hopeful. But um, day to day, I mean yesterday, I felt really at, just at the end. And, you know, not at the end, but, you know, you get so burnt out and you don't see relief. Do you know? So that's the thing. Sometimes the grief and the guilt are so they're just so big.
2: And we're their mother and we can't help them sometimes. And that's the worst pain.
0: Well, I'm maybe a big softy here, but uh, I do get the sense that all these children are very, very lucky to have both of you.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you.
0: Susan Senator is mother to Nat Batchelder, an autistic adult living in a residential facility. And Linda Carney Goodrich is mother to Philip. Carney Goodrich. He's an adult living at home. Thanks to both of you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. you.